This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 50 on the shot clock. Curry behind the back dribble. Has Thomas on his hip down the lane. The floater's up and good, and he got fouled. The wizardry of number 30, and he calls for the Warrior fans in attendance. And they cheer. The second game in a row, Stephen Curry getting cheers on the road. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game, Warriors Wrap-Up starts now. Well, that was a gritty, a grimy, and at points gross, but overall good and necessary win for the Golden State Warriors as they defeat the Brooklyn Nets on the road Inside of the Barclays Center, final score 109-98. to Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap-Up. This show is about you. This show is about the Warriors as they climb now to three games within 500, 22-25, dropping the Brooklyn Nets now nine games below 500, two and nine. Two losses, by the way, in their last five games. They've been playing a bit better. But this, this was a very interesting basketball game. Maybe not the most entertaining for those of you watching it from you know its start to its finish, but I think interesting for a lot of different reasons. Number one, uh, the Warriors generally do not win these kinds of games. And when I'm talking about these kinds of games, I mean one in which they only score 109 points. This season, previously, Golden State was 2-8 and eight when scoring 109 or less. They got only four three-point shots, all of which, for the man you heard off the top from Tim Roy on the call of every Golden State Warriors game on 95-7 the game, that is Steph Curry. He made the only four three-pointers of the night. So the Warriors, number one, score 109 or less. That doesn't bode well for them this season. Number two, they made their fewest amount of threes of the year. Their previous low before tonight had been eight. They made four, and Curry was responsible for all of them. And you also saw them relatively shorthanded because, of course, we know they didn't have Chris Paul. They didn't have Gary Payton II. Andrew Wiggins was a scratch due to the injury he suffered to his ankle against Atlanta over the weekend. So you're down one of your starters. You're down two of your top six rotation players, or at least before tonight you'd think that way. And then you're also down probably three of your top eight or nine rotation players, if you include GP2, against a Brooklyn Nets team that is at Pretty much full strength. Again, had won three of four coming in and was working with a couple of players that were working on heaters because Cam Thomas had scored 25 or more 
in his last three games, actually I think his last four games, in which they had gone three and four. Tonight he goes four of 21 from the floor. The Brooklyn Nets as a team, and this is something that, again, you look at the three-point line, not that the Warriors have been strictly jump shot or die this season, but they were... They made nine more threes, the Brooklyn Nets did, than the Warriors. And they still shot below 35% from the floor. But the Warriors, where they win this game tonight is, and we're going to hear from Steve Kerr in just a little bit. I'll skip to our hardest worker of the game and extending the three-point line highlight. But 888-957-9570 is the number because I want to know why you thought that the Golden State Warriors won the game tonight. I believe it had to do with basically getting back to basics and being able to adapt and mobilize kind of midway through this game. That was about as ugly as a first half as as I've watched. And even Bob Fitzgerald on the call on the TV side had something tonight about how you know, the Warriors are back to the land of the living. And it was on a defensive position, but I thought to myself, wow, is, is that how lifeless this game has been so far? I mean, someone who's watched this game, is broadcasting this game, the enthusiasm was, was hard to come by in the first half. And even in the second half, it was really the defense that I thought – along with the Brooklyn Nets' inability to make consecutive shots, put together runs. The Warriors doing so had multiple 7-0 runs in that second half, had multiple 9-0 runs between the third quarter and the fourth quarter in that second half. The Warriors put together successive stops, and I thought they got tough. I thought they got gritty. I thought they got grimy against a team that that's what's going to do it. Like, Brooklyn is not by any means a, a quality NBA team at this point in their season. They're nine games below five hundred. They're a team that is fighting for the play-in on their own side of the bracket, as, of course, the Golden State Warriors are. But that's a game where if you're Golden State, you can beat a team like Brooklyn by not having your best game if you remain focused, intent on the defensive side of the ball, and basically taking care of what you can. After that first quarter, I think the Warriors only turned the ball over six times the rest of the game. They out-rebounded the Brooklyn Nets 60-38, to including 16 times on the offensive glass. And a lot of that contribution was from players that you didn't hear of a whole lot of before tonight, that you hadn't heard a lot of throughout this season. I'm looking at three offensive rebounds for Lester Quinones, Guy Santos, Kevon Looney was a plus tonight, which we haven't seen a whole lot this year. Brandon Bajemski has been providing impact and energy the entire season. Three offensive rebounds. Kaminga was active on the glass, nine boards. Draymond was doing his thing and got back after a back-to-back. I thought he looked a little bit tired against Atlanta, reformed. Uh, playing the majority of the five here tonight. They got contributions all over in all parts of the box score. And then offensively, Stephen Curry, of course, handled the load as he tends to do. Another 29 points for him coming off his 60-burger on Saturday, but shooting 50% from the floor, making the only four threes of the game. And, of course, Jonathan Kaminga, who has settled in absolutely beautifully to that second offensive option, to someone who doesn't need to work as hard as some of the other players on this team to get his shot, to get a quality look, to force contact, to get to the free throw line. Jonathan Kaminga got to the free throw line six different times. He took 12 free throws. He made 10 of them, which is good. But the 28 points don't happen unless Kaminga can force the opponent's hand. And this is, again, a team in Brooklyn that I believe is number one in the NBA in terms of blocks per game. They're able to alter shots. They're able to toss away looks. And Kaminga, I thought, got downhill, as he has tended to do now nine of his last ten games with 20 or more points. And, of course, the elephant in the room, which is perhaps Clay Thompson. And we can get into all of it. I don't want to with all of you. at 888 Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap-Up after Golden State 
earns a victory in Brooklyn. I think we would all identify it as a necessary win, as an important win from the standpoint of you couldn't really lose that game. Like, we talked about this in Warriors Live. If you're a team that is trying to make the playoffs and give us some semblance of hope to potentially win a playoff series at this point in the season, that is a must-win game. Like, you, you cannot lose to Brooklyn on the road. And they've had a lot of positions where, you know, they've been fragile, they've been feeble, they've been kind of trending back and forth on, do you believe the season's done? Do you believe the season has some semblance of hope again? The trade deadline now one game away for the Golden State Warriors on February 8th. That's something I want to get into because I think this game is indicative of how the deadline could play out and where the Warriors could go. So again, the number is 888-957-9570. Evan Giddings with you. Let's get out to uh, one of our regulars. D's out in D.C. We appreciate him always hanging up late. D, I know it's not as late as you usually call in, only 1040 on the East Coast, but my man, how are you doing? You're on Warriors wrap-up. Doing all right, brother. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, man. Good to hear from you. I love it when the games are in my time. Instead of having to wait <laughs> and stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the Warriors. Man. But anyways, my thoughts about this game, man. Um, a win is a win. I, 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 I would take it. But, man, this team looks terrible, man. This is not Warriors basketball. Uh, if the front office is satisfied with the garbage that we've seen on the floor right now, apart from Steph, Dre, and uh, and J.K. and Pods, man, I'm telling you, something is something needs to be done within the next couple of days to fix to fix this product. We're paying four hundred million dollars for this. Come on, now. something needs to be done. I'm hoping that at the end uh, by Thursday. A decision is made in regards to Clay, either to trade him or keep him. If you're going to keep him, make sure that he he has a contract and a contract that will that he will be happy with. Because if not, he will be a problem for years to come. Mm. Second of all, we need some size. This team looks too small. We get we allowing guys that are that that are marginal to look as if they're superstars playing against the Warriors. Man, that needs to stop. Um, a change is needed, and it, it is needed ASAP because Steph Curry is not going to be around for too long. Um, we need to t- take advantage of whatever Steph can provide right now. Take advantage of that. If we don't make a move by this year, by the by this trade deadline, it's going to be totally impossible for the Warriors to 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 bring in any players next year. So it is incumbent upon the front office to do what is necessary right now to fix this team. I'm going to hang up and listen to you from the other side, man. Love you, man. Appreciate it, D. Thanks again for hanging up, as you always do, and I'm glad that the Warriors could at least deliver an earlier starting time for you out there on the East Coast. Uh, a lot of things to unpack there, and I think some some good points, as you always bring to the to the conversation, and we want to hear from you at 888-957-9570. Um, if it's about Clay Thompson, if it's about the trade deadline, if it's about the youngsters, if it's about this roster is currently constructed – you know, I, I have a couple of thoughts, and, and I think, you know, on the positive side, the things that stem really from this evening, I think, have to do with the way that they won in the second half, the rotations that we're seeing, and the minutes that were being handed out. And I, ha- I have a couple of theories, and I think they primarily revolve around Lesser Quinones and Guy Santos, because from the positive side, and I guess I teased that, on the positive side, those guys were 
important to a win tonight. Now, of course, the key players are obviously Steph Curry. If he doesn't go for 29, if Jonathan Kaminga doesn't take over offensively in the second half, we're not talking about a victory tonight. In fact, we're talking about probably one of the most crushing losses this season. But those two guys, to me, I think are interesting from a macro standpoint because within this game, Kenyonis played 24 minutes. That was the most of any bench player. And Guy Santos played 17 minutes including the final, I think it was six of the fourth quarter. He closed in Clay Thompson's spot. Brandon Bajemski, meanwhile, played a game-high 38 minutes. Kaminga, 33, um, just behind Steph Curry at 34. But how Steve Kerr approached this type of game, I think can tell us a lot about the options that the Warriors have at the trade deadline. And... My theory as to why someone like Quinones and Santos have been getting run, uh, especially as of late, I mean, we've seen them now a couple of times beginning at the beginning of this road trip, in fact, against Memphis. You could take it as, well, they're trying to see what they have in case they want to move those guys. I'm not sure that's where my mind leans. And I know that Sham Sharania came out today and said there's not really anything going for the Warriors right now. Uh, of course, he works for The Athletic. He's very tapped into everything that goes on in the NBA, saying that there's not really a move to be made for Golden State. They've had offers. They haven't felt like anything has been worth it. But I'm looking at a team that's three games below 500 now, and I do wonder if the fact that those two players are getting minutes has to do with, number one, someone like Dario Saric, who I think was he was available tonight. He comes back, but he doesn't play more than four minutes. You could say, oh, well, th- those are the minutes that would have gone to Saric. Um Moody comes back tonight. He gets 15 minutes. And he actually, I think he was the first man off the bench. He was the sixth man this evening. Uh, was a plus five in 15 minutes. But the bench, how Kerr is using them, could also tell us that moves might be coming for Golden State or that they're bracing for moves. Because I do wonder why they're trying to kind of, I guess, throw out different players in certain spots, whether they've been productive or whether they've hurt the Warriors. You know, we, we didn't see Corey Joseph tonight. I don't think he's necessarily involved in any trade talks. Uh, we didn't see Trace Jackson Davis tonight. I thought this might be a game for him, considering you know, kind of the traditional five that Brooklyn plays in, in Claxton. Um, but I don't think that he's anybody that's going anywhere at the deadline. I wonder if the Warriors have been using this road trip right before the deadline to showcase either what they have or try to find out more about what they have in anticipation of a move because I'm kind of with our, our caller D I didn't see anything tonight that would let me know outside of a, a gritty and, and grimy win again they they haven't really won games like this in the past but there wasn't anything that told me okay this roster is all of a sudden ready to make a leap that it's all of a sudden ready to turn the corner and that was a question that we posed over the weekend on Saturday and it looked like with Draymond coming back that they're beginning to play better. You're linking the forwards, Wiggins and Kaminga, kind of gluing guys together with Draymond. And that's all well and good. But then the loss at Atlanta comes, and you start to rethink things. And then the first half against Brooklyn comes, and you're down by, I think it was six points at the half. You play much better in the second half. Defensively, you step up. You take advantage of a team you should. Curry steps up offensively. Kaminga does what he does. And it just has me wondering where the Warriors are at. And if you were to kind of describe the story of this evening, what would it be? Would it be that you felt like they showed you that they got some leaks in a potentially leaky ship? That this was actually 
a strong and heartful victory and one that you should look at and feel confident or, or positive about. 888 is the number because I, I kind of fall in the middle here. I don't necessarily look at it as a wholly encouraging victory, but they because they didn't really blow the doors off of Brooklyn. I think they separated, but it was still, I believe it's going to file under the clutch category because it was in within five minutes uh, in a five-point game after Royce Clinton, Clayton hit back to Royce O'Neal. <laughs> Royce Clayton. Royce O'Neal hit back-to-back threes about midway through that fourth quarter. I wonder where people are at right now with Golden State because, yes, it was an ugly win. There's no doubt about it. And we are at a point in the season where the Warriors can't really complain about ugly wins. But that's kind of the point. Like, they're in this position to where we, I think a lot of people are less inclined to say, well, that's that you can't, you can't say that's a bad win because you need all the wins. But you need all the wins because of how they've gotten to this point in the season. Because they have lost, I think it's like three of 13 games within five points or 10 points. Like the single-digit victories have not gone their way. Games that have come down to the wire, they haven't been able to close. Um, Most recently in Atlanta. You know, games that have been winnable for them. They have not been able to get more often than not. And that, to me is, yes, it could be on coaching, it could be on a particular player not playing well in a certain spot. I think it has to do with a multitude of issues. And for me, that isn't enough looking at this trade deadline to feel comfortable with the Warriors standing pat. I talked about it over the weekend. I think this is a team that doesn't necessarily need a a game changer, really because I don't think there's one out there for them to acquire without giving up something of value, namely Jonathan Kaminga. But this is a team that... I think we we learned over the last couple of games and have throughout this road trip, it can use some depth. It can use some help, whether it's on that front line or on the wings. And these aren't guys that are going to come in and start, but again, guys that are going to be able to give you minutes. And in a game like tonight, you could also look at it and say, well, the Warriors didn't have their best foot forward. They were down a couple of players. You know, someone who was in the starting lineup like Clay Thompson didn't help us throughout the entirety game, and we still found a way to win. Does that mean you look at someone like Clay as expendable? Do you look at someone like Pajemski as being necessary in the starting lineup? Do you look at the bench being one that I, I think right now is particularly weak? And you say, oh, well, you know, Chris Paul, who, by the way, was shooting around earlier today in Brooklyn, that's someone that's going to be coming back soon that can help you as a secondary facilitator that can run that second unit. Are you saying maybe that's a spot for Pajemski? And you can reorganize the starting lineup but still get Pod's optimal minutes. How are you looking at this team right now? Because I look at them as a team that <laughs> I, I look at a team that that right now is still trying to find itself. Like that still doesn't really have any identity. And that to me is not a team that's all of a sudden going to catch fire down the stretch and become that dark horse that no one wants to see. I think if there's a reason that no one would want to see Golden State in the playoffs, it'd be because of number 30. And it'd be because of an emerging Jonathan Kaminga. As much as I believe that Pajemski is a valuable role player, and he what he had his third straight double-double tonight, 15-11, and 11, um, that to me that that is someone that on a, a quality basketball team, at this point as a rookie, is probably not starting. Because... I don't think his jump shot is consistent enough for me right now, and that's going to get better, and he's going to improve, but I also want there to be a lane for him to improve, and I'm not sure that when all these pieces form back together, ideally if you get healthy, that there's enough room to be handed out for Bajemski to grow, for eventually Moses Moody ideally to get better. 
Um, right now, there's pretty much only been room this season for one young player to take a massive leap, and I think that's Jonathan Kaminga. Pajemski is playing a lot, but I think it's because it's been out of, been out of necessity, and he's really earned it, like he did against the Knight. He was a plus 11. Uh, that was tied for second best on the team behind, ironically, Guy Santos, who was a plus 13, and got some big rebounds along with a steal down the stretch of that basketball game. Oh, sorry, as well as a, a block. You know, so... I think the Warriors are a team that that kind of needs some depth on their bench, and maybe that could be by moving around the starting lineup. Maybe it could be by slotting pods back to the second unit, and maybe that happens when when Wiggins comes back. Maybe if you want to see Clay Thompson go to the bench, um, I, I I'm still at a position where I'm not sure that ne- that necessarily needs to happen, but. He doesn't need to close games. And and that, to me, is also where this thing becomes more important, too. As much as we want to make about who's starting, who's not, who's expendable, who is, who needs to go, who needs to stay, the starting, uh, the pardon me, the closing lineup is where I look at things and say, okay, what am I drawing from this game? What are the Warriors telling us about who can help them win basketball games? And tonight, it was Draymond, Kaminga, Curry, along with Pajemski, who closed for Clay in it against Atlanta, and Guy Santos. That was very interesting to me. Like, the fact that we've seen multiple closing lineups, I think the number for starting lineups for this season now is about 17. I don't think we've had 17 different closing lineups, but I bet you, and I I, I might have to go through and start digging for this, I bet you we'd have quite a few more closing lineups for this Warriors team than you would think. And that's because... Steve Kerr, while I haven't agreed with everything that he's done this season, he's been more forced, or perhaps inclined, to ride out a particular lineup, for better or for worse. I mean, for example, if, if Keith Santos closes this basketball game and Brooklyn makes a run, and they, I don't know, they force overtime, or this game becomes way too tight, and the Warriors don't put it away, then we are sitting here talking about why Guy Santos was in the closing lineup. Like, we are sitting here talking about why certain players got to play at certain positions. Why no Trace Jackson Davis again tonight? Why was he a DMP? Um, I don't know. Maybe some people wanting where Corey Joseph is as a secondary ball header. I, I, I don't know. But to me, the fact that the results have kind of dictated the narrative around who needs to play and who doesn't, I think Kerr is at a position where this team is three games below 500 and he is looking to ride a hot hand for better or for worse. And I don't know if you feel like that's the best option for the Golden State Warriors at this point, but for me, I don't really think they have a choice. Like, this is a team that need win- needs wins, and you can't, as uh, a head coach or a player, young or old, be in a position to question anything that happens right now, mainly as a player. Like, yes, it sucks that, for example, Clay Thompson didn't close tonight. Do I think he has a right to go to Steve Kerr after this game and say, I should have closed? Absolutely not. Not just because he hasn't played well in recent memory, but because this isn't a basketball team that can make demands. This isn't a roster that can sit up here and say, I deserve this or I deserve that. Until you start winning basketball games, and they haven't had a longer win streak than five, I don't think they play better than six of eight basketball in terms of wins over an extended period of time throughout this season. This this is a Warriors team that has not had a winning month since October. And in fact... 98 points was the second lowest total defensively allowed this season. The last time they allowed less, 95 points, that was against the Houston Rockets on October 29th. Ironically, when the Warriors are playing their best basketball at the beginning of the season. So maybe that's a sign that they're starting to figure some things out. 
I would venture to guess at this point in the season, this is a gritty, grimy, necessary victory for the Warriors. I'm interested to see how they follow this up on Wednesday against a relatively depleted Philadelphia 76ers team and how they're going to continue to push this forward if they're going to find some semblance of identity, how that affects the trade deadline, because I don't think that this is a a, a near-perfect team. I don't think it's a near-great roster. I don't even think right now on a given day you can tell if this is a good roster. It might be an average roster at this point, and that makes Steve Kerr's decisions much more difficult. It makes the playing time inconsistent for a lot of guys, and I think what right now Steve Kerr is trying to do to stabilize that a bit is to give maximum minutes to who's in the starting lineup until he can't play a player anymore. Like Draymond Green tonight only played 30 minutes. I think that's partially because Steve Kerr found him getting a bit taxed playing mostly the five and playing bigger, having to play against bigger players in the back-to-back this weekend against uh, Memphis as well as, um, pardon me, the Hawks. Also, it's three of four nights. He kind of still is leaning into Curry, who played another 34 minutes this evening after playing a ton in overtime against Atlanta. He's still having to shoulder a lot of the offensive load, and maybe that's why we're seeing some more lackadaisical turnovers from Curry. I would argue it's because that's kind of who he is. Um, But Klay Thompson, 30 minutes. He didn't play down the stretch of this game because I don't think he deserved to. Pajemski's playing heavy minutes because he deserves to, because he's helping this team as a passer, as an interior scorer. And that's also the thing for me tonight. For the Warriors to be able to figure out how to win on the road against a team that, granted, they should beat, but by only making four threes, by not a single player not named Stephen Curry making a three, you know that goes to show that they have different ways to win. And it doesn't need to just be the older players, or a, a full way leaning into the younger players. I think today was another piece-together puzzle by Kerr, along with everyone on the floor, and they figured it out in the second half. But let's not just sweep the first half under the rug and say it was all glitz and glam from wire to wire. The Warriors had to dig deep for this kind of basketball game, and I just wonder if people feel like that's a positive or if they're looking at this with a glass half empty because they got another tough road game coming up in Philly, but it, they don't have Joel Embiid. In fact, Philly just got beat, I believe, by the Brooklyn Nets right before this on Saturday. So however you looking at this game, I think, is fair. And that's why I want to kind of parse this thing through looking at who Steve Kerr used in particular spots, who deserves to play, in reference also to the larger conversation, with his, which is do the Warriors need to make a move at the trade deadline? Do you want to see action? Do you want to see them just kind of ride this thing out and look at trades or upgrades being the players that are coming back from injury, because that's also been kind of a constant throughout the years of Golden State. When you've had players that are working their way back from injury, they've looked at the trade deadline not as a time and a place to wholesale shift things around, but basically prepare themselves for the additions that they're getting back internally. So 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Um, I want to hear from Steve Kern just a moment, if possible. Uh, But before then, Sterling, I do want to talk about our hardest worker of the game, which is brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. Are you looking for a career in law enforcement? Learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. Our hardest worker of the game? It's Guy Santos. I'm sorry. It is the Brazilian Blur 2.0. I guess I can't really call it. He's not really a blur, but 
Uh, I would say Guy Santos is the hardest worker of this basketball game. He came up with a couple of huge offensive rebounds throughout the game, particularly down the stretch. A couple of blocks, including uh, a big one down the stretch of that basketball game, which triggered a play in transition for Kaminga to get to the free throw line. I thought Guy Santos played really well in this game. And for nine points and six rebounds, along with a couple of blocks in 17 minutes, was a team high plus 13. I thought was very impressive uh, from one Guy Santos. So he is our hardest worker of the game. And again, we're taking your calls at 888-957-9570. Got a couple of people lining up. So while we wait for that, do want to check in on our YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Um, some people are throwing in some trade offers. Some people on the Comcast business text line are chiming in uh, for the 510, another encouraging win, but again, it was against another weak team and they didn't exactly blow the door off the nets. Pods and anyone not named Clay or Steph needs to pay a fine. <laughs> Anything they miss more, uh, two than three point shots. Yeah, I think, again, he's talking about people that were pretty much jacking up threes, weren't able to hit them. And from the 925, this is Pods, Moody, and Kaminga should all start over Clay. Heck, LQ could start, should start over Clay. Um, those are the 925's facts. Uh, for the 510, it wants to come down Curry's road. Let's not forget to call out Steph's four turnovers. No excusing Steph because he's a ball handler, then it's okay. A turnover is a turnover. I don't think anybody's making excuses, but uh, I think you can recognize how important that man is to right now an offense, especially on a night like tonight, that could not find anything outside of the restricted area. And that might also be signaling a bit of a shift. Again, I talked about this pregame on Warriors Live, the fact that this is a Warriors team that in the last now four games has averaged, I think, north of 60 points per game in the paint. 60 point paints. Uh, <laughs> points in the paint. That's much better than the 44.7 that they had averaged for the entirety of the season, which was bottom five in the association. And I think that has to do with Kaminga. They also did it on a night with one of their top five point scores in the paint, Andrew Wiggins. So they were able to do it without Wiggins. They were able to do it without Trace Jackson Davis. They were able to do it without really much of a presence at the big spot. They were able to do it by cutting. They were able to do it with passing. They were able to do it with player and ball movement. Um, and they needed to because they couldn't buy a basket in terms of a jump shot. So before we get to Kerr, uh, let's get to your calls at 888-957-9570. Also reminder, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ, FM, and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch, and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Let's start off with Mark out in Berkeley. Wants to chime in. Mark, my man, how you doing? Uh, I was just wondering about uh, the center, why he wasn't playing. Is he hurt? Uh, the rookie. Trace Jackson Davis, you mean? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I think that tonight, I was a little surprised just because you imagine with, uh, I guess, a, a more traditional five in Nick Claxton, you, you could have more time for a center. But I also don't think that Kerr and the Warriors really look at TJD as, as a necessity right now. Um and, and I don't know if this is a type of game that, that proves anything one way or the other. I think it just was kind of a situation where the Warriors had determined that they would like to go to more of a wing-based rotation, try to go and get smaller, get a little more versatile. Um, I wonder if TJD will be back in the rotation if and when Chris Paul is available because off the bench he, he's able to run pick and roll with him. Um but, yeah, I mean, he was a DMP tonight. I don't think people were too happy about that, but people were probably happy about Corey Joseph being a DMP as a coach's decision, and no one's going to be calling and asking where Corey Joseph was. Uh, I, I don't necessarily have a theory on that. I just I just felt like 
Kerr didn't have him as part of the rotation because he played pretty much nine tonight. Sharge played four minutes, but he wasn't available. And Kevon Looney was playing well. So if there was a chance to get TJD in, it probably would have been for Looney. But Looney was pretty good in both of his stints this evening. So I think that's where that's where he leaned there. Uh, let's get out to the phone lines. 888-957-9570. Let's bring on Jim in Pleasanton. Jim, my man, how are you? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up. Hey, big guy. How are you? Oh, fantastic, my man. Yeah, it's great to be on the show with you. And I got to say, you know, uh, curious about what the Warriors should do moving forward, J.D., because uh, I don't know what the <laughs> upside is with, these guys, with the, uh, the prospects. You know, you got Lester Quinones. Uh-huh. You got uh, uh, Gay Santos, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, and you know I, I've seen these guys play in uh, Santa Cruz. And Lester Quinones can shoot anybody out of the building. And obviously they're having some adjustment periods getting their reps in the NBA. So I don't know if they should trade these guys or if they should make any moves because <laughs> I'm curious what your thoughts are of them uh, as a group going forward. Well, I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for the call, especially the reference to the predecessor. That means I'm doing something right because our guy before here was extremely smart. But uh, Evan Giddings is the name. Nice to make your acquaintance. And as far as your question is concerned, I feel like the Warriors looking at the trade deadline. Like I, I felt like watching the last couple of games, the reason why we're seeing Guy Santos, in addition to Sharge not being available, could be because they're trying to see what these guys got in case they need to make a move. I mean, I mean, seriously. Like, you're going to need some added depth if you decide. Because I think that the Warriors operated the trade deadline um, and make a move. I don't know if they're going to get markedly better. So you probably have to have an understanding of what your depth is behind that piece. Not in case it doesn't work out, but in case your approach at the, at the trade deadline is to either shed some future salary, doesn't make you better for now, but I feel like if the Warriors make a move, and if they make a big move, it is probably looking at next season. And so that means you're going to need players to you know, eat minutes, to, to play minutes, to try and at least help you try and win some games, at least get into the play-in. So you need to see if someone like Guy Santos or Lester Quinones, more specifically, who played more minutes, played 24 tonight, can help you. I also think this is a team that, I mean, on a night like tonight, you're missing offense. I know Quinones didn't have a three. Um, but from the bench, too, when Kaminga moved into the starting lineup, and this is a larger point that I've kind of been talking about, when you move Kaminga into the starting lineup and you don't bring someone back, well, then you lose pretty much all of your offensive firepower for the second unit. That would be the only reason that I think people have said Kaminga could be a bench player for the Warriors. Not that he doesn't deserve to start, but because you have nobody off the pine that can go get you a basket. Previously... You know, Pajemski, I thought, could have helped you in the second unit, but he's now in the starting lineup. Um, Clay Thompson, I don't think the Warriors would broach him moving to the bench. I think they would probably shift rotations around so that he's playing more with the second unit, and we've seen that a little bit to kind of get him into that primary score mode. But I don't really see the Warriors right now with someone off the bench, and we have known their second unit as being one that can score and can outscore opponents, uh, more importantly, that hasn't really happened since Kaminga has moved into the starting lineup. And so if you're making a move, you need to know at the very least that your bench is going to be helped by someone like Quinones or Santos that can at least forward your offense and keep you moving so that you're not getting killed in non-Draymond and Curry minutes. Because let's be honest, or even Kaminga, non-Kaminga minutes, I mean, let's be honest, it, no one's really worried about you know, the, the non-Clay minutes. I don't think they're even worried about the non-Pajemski minutes. The two guys that they've been most focused on, I think, in trying to um, kind of cushion themselves for are 
Draymond Green and, and Steph Curry right now, the non-minutes that we're talking about, being able to figure those. Um, for the 5-1-0, what about just a big guy to absorb minutes when facing a big center to help save Looney and Draymond from playing too many center minutes? That, that's that's where I would look. I mean, that's that's where I would look. Also because I don't think Looney has been that great this season. He was a lot better tonight, uh, but I think he's unfortunately been kind of a lesser version of himself in recent years, and so that's been hard to stomach, I think, for, for the Warriors, and that's why they've had to go to TJD or have wanted to go to TJD, not because they're trying to prioritize him, but because they're just trying not to get killed when Kavon Looney is in the game. So... Let's get out to Grant in San Francisco. Grant, my man, you're on Warriors Wrap-Up with Evan Giddings, by the way. What's going on, my man? How are you? All right, listen, I've got the solution to the Warriors' problems. This is what they should do. I think they should trade Curry. Now, hear me out. I know it sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but think of how this would work. They would get how many draft picks? Oh, let's say five first-round draft picks. Now, they keep Thompson and everyone else, and they tank this season. Boom. So now they're getting more draft picks. They'll be set up for the next few years for his eventual retirement anyway, which is only a couple of years away. And I would love to see Curry on a team like Chicago. Can you imagine him and DeMar DeRozan? That would be awesome. Or how about setting him up with KD and the Suns? Ah, that would be wonderful. (laughs) Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Grit. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a little bit of a pipe dream, but yeah, I would love to see someone like DeRozan. You know, he he's actually an expiring contract. I just think he would be too expensive for what the Warriors uh, would send back, or what I guess Chicago would ask for. And he'd be a guy that, again, you're bringing in to probably balance the team right now, or I guess uh, you know keep you afloat. But then you'd be moving off of him at the tail end of the year. I don't think that's someone you want to bring back. Because even DeRozan, like we're talking about older players that are past their prime, uh, DeRozan pretty much fits that that category. Like I think he's 33 or 34. Um, so so that might be, yeah, a little bit over the hill for me. Uh, but if you have an, an interesting trade deal, we're, we're going to be talking about these. And, and I'm sure on Wednesday when they play the Philadelphia 76ers, we're going to be asking about do they have what it takes on the roster, not just obviously as a whole as a team, but are they comprised as a group that you think could make some noise? Because they don't have an option, and that's the other part of this too. You don't have an option when you don't have a first-round pick. Like, you don't get that from Portland as a top-four protector. You're not getting to a bottom-four type of place. So the Warriors have to either try to win, or in my mind, the other option is to retool try and stay competitive, maybe sneak in as a play-in, but more importantly, look ahead to next season where you still have a chance at an age 36 Steph to compete. Jonathan Kaminga will be a year ahead. He's going to be looking like he's taking another step, and then you can kind of project, I think, a little bit better down the road um, right there. But um, right before the break, sorry, Sterling, I know I teased this like 15 minutes ago. Let's, uh, Let's get out to the podium and listen to one head coach, Steve Kerr, who talked about a litany of things tonight. And here's what he had to say after the win against the Nets. Our defense was was really good. Um, you know, they I know they missed some shots tonight that you know they they've hit last few games. I mean, they they've been pretty hot from three. They definitely missed some open ones, but I just thought our defense was um, was pretty solid. And then we made a lot of 
second effort type plays. Guy Santos was amazing, just um, getting on the floor for loose balls, getting offensive rebounds, generating extra possessions. And, uh, you know, obviously Steph and JK kind of handled the offense, but um, it was a, a really good team effort. You, you mentioned it. You, you closed with Guy over Clay, which is obviously notable to, to many. Um, why did you go with that choice? It, it's the game is, you know, you, you just – you know, if a group's playing well, you just stay with that group. You know, that's kind of a general rule. And uh, so we stayed with the group because they were they were really um, competing and making plays, and, and they had the momentum. So I didn't want to stop the momentum. This is kind of new to play, though. I mean, you, you haven't closed with him seven times recently. How are you kind of seeing him take that? He's fine. I mean, you know, this is uh, uh, a... A season where you know he's had a lot of ups and downs, and um, you know he's it's it's not easy, um, you know, for a guy who's uh, been so good and you know Hall of Fame player um, to deal with you know the injuries and and uh, it's not it's never easy for for any player getting older and and um, but he's 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 mentally tough. He plays through everything. Um, you know, I'd like to get. Uh, some of our depth back uh, so that we can, you know, give him a little more rest and, you know, maybe not play him on some back-to-backs, try to, you know, ease the load that he has. Um, but uh, Clay's going to help us win plenty of games going forward. Just on top of that, do you think that maybe some of Clay's recent struggles have to do with the, uh, how much he's been playing? Yeah, yeah, he's played a lot. And, you know, this was our third and four nights. And, um, and so it's... Um, you know, it's all part of it, but um, everybody has struggles during the season, and, and um, you know, every, you just have to play through them. And um, you know, I thought he did a good job tonight, moving the ball and on the glass, and, and his minutes were good. And uh, so he contributed. And um, you know, it's just there's a spotlight on him because of how great he is, because of the career he's had. Um, so I don't think that should be the story tonight. The story should be. We won a, a game on the road, um, you know, against a team that's been playing well, and we had multiple guys step in, um, you know, with Lester and, and Moses and Gee. Like, that's the story of tonight's game is, you know, um, th- those guys coming back and really contributing to to a win. Especially the way you guys have been struggling at times lately, like Steve. How good does it feel to win a game like this where, like you said, it's not like you guys shot the lights out or really, you know, had yeah. Yeah, I mean, for us to go four and four for twenty-two from three and and win um, is—I uh, don't know when the last time that's happened, but um, Raymond for sure will be on that. You know, like Thursday. You know, he's got—he's busy the next couple of days, I guess. Um, no, I, we've, every, it seems like every game is like this for us. You know, we've—we've um, we've hardly had any blowouts in either direction. Um, so every game's tight, and I think. You know, if, if our guys uh, can build on this, we can we can recognize what it takes uh, to win these close games, and it's a lot of grit. You know, that's what was so impressive about Guy tonight. It's just you know the multiple efforts, and the, you know he was going after every rebound and, and loose ball and diving on the floor, and that energy is contagious. The whole team felt it. So I thought I thought Guy was um, just fantastic. There was one specific possession where uh, I think he, he, he got two offensive rebounds and then Pajemski gets, I think it was his 10th of the game, and, you know, Claxton gets the flagger. Right. Turns into a 4-1 uh, 
Yeah, yeah. You know, though that play, I mean, he made a good cut to, I think, originally almost to get a layup on the play. And, you know, he's he understands the value of finishing cuts. We had a lot of guys tonight who would start to cut and stop, and they're switching everything, and uh, we, we've got nothing going. So, um, you know, against a team that switches like that, you have to cut, you have to be around the basket and make sharp, you know, sharp cuts and swing the ball, reversal. And um, the game changed as soon as we put him in in the first half because the ball f- finally started to move. So what did you take away from Steve Kerr's comments? I think the biggest thing for me is the story. Now, what you make of the story, I want to dig into it on the other side. Step aside, take a quick break, come back, talk about Steve Kerr, what he saw in this game, how the Warriors were able to come away again with probably their, their grittiest victory of the season. When they score 109 or less this year, they're 2-8. and eight. They just won a game in which they held an opponent to 98 points, made only four three-pointers, all courtesy of Stephen Curry. How are you looking at this game? How are you looking at this point in the season, one game before you have to make a decision at the NBA trade deadline? Evan Giddings with you on Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll be back after this on 95.7 The Game. PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, powered by Intel Core processors and more. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Looking for some fun? Let Scratchers lead the way. Countless ways to scratch. Come join the play. Instead of keys, what can you find? Think of something fun. Leave the coins behind. Grab your guitar. Hold the pig tight. Scratches you strum. Let the rhythm ignite. With your drumsticks, riff a solo so great. Or place your scratchers on the turntable. Scratch and rotate. So get creative and find new playful ways to scratch. Scratchers from the California Lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. Hey, let's throw a party this year for the big game. Oh, great idea. But first, we should get a new TV. One of the top-rated brands, Samsung, LG, or Sony. Okay, I'll start shopping on the internet and then head over to the warehouse club. Well, but if that's all we do, we'll be sorry. Why? Because the best deals on those top-rated TVs are at video only, not online or at the club. Video only? Yep. We can save up to $500 if we shop smart. Or we'll be sorry. Hey guys, love is in the air. It's Valentine's month and the best gift for your loved one is to perform at your best in the bedroom. Prime Male Medical specializes in the latest non-invasive treatment for ED and low T. Listen to Dr. Robert Rowley from Prime Male Medical. We have virtually every medication known to man to help men. We specialize in acoustic wave therapy, sublingual lozenges which bypass the digestive system, making them faster and more effective, injectable medications, and testosterone treatment for those patients who need it. Impotence problems can be treated in just one visit. So don't wait. Give the gift that keeps on giving and let Prime Male Medical help you today. Listeners get a PSA test, testosterone test, Doppler ultrasound, and a full year of free visits for just $99. 
go to primemailmedical.com or call 415-761-4037. That's 415-761-4037. 415-761-4037. At the Golf Mart, there's something that binds us all. The collective goal to transcend the ordinary. Introducing the all-new TaylorMade QI10 Max Driver. Combining TaylorMade distance with the forgiveness of 10K inertia. Experience your drives in 10K. Visit us in-store for a free custom fitting at the Golf Mart or shop us online at WorldwideGolf.com. Get there. This is Cindy Faulkner with Valley Heating, Cooling, Electrical, and Solar, the home of old-fashioned service and locally and family-owned since 1962. We provide all home comfort needs with great deals right now. We will match any advertised offer for annual tune-ups and inspections and provide a free second opinion on any repair quote. And we love the dubs. Check out our specials and schedule your appointment at valleyheating.com. Valleyheating.com or call 408-728-HVAC. Kelly Blue Book is the one-stop shop for pricing, fixing, selling, and instant cash offering. Instant cash offer is exactly what it sounds like. An official offer to buy or trade your car. Just enter your VIN or license plate. Answer a few questions about your car's history and what kind of condition it's in. In minutes, you'll receive an offer to sell or trade your car that you can be sure is fair. Then choose a dealer to purchase your car and schedule a time to meet. For all of the it's, kbb.com. Clay double feeds Kamega. Look out, another dunk for Jonathan Kamega. Back-to-back dunks for J.K. And it's 49-47, Thompson with the assist. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. All right, Evan Giddings with you on 95.7 The Game. Warriors Wrap-Up as the Warriors wrap up a victory in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. 109-98, the final score. Warriors are now three games below 500. A game away from the trade deadline coming up in three days on February 8th. Again, they do play that night at 4 o'clock, but the trade deadline will pass before then at noon. Pacific Standard, so they basically have one more game on Wednesday because the Philadelphia 76ers to make or not make a move. Um, more on that in a moment, but what we were talking about, it again, 888-957-9570, Comcast Business Text Line, also the number to call in. I know a lot of the conversation tonight, especially just kind of perusing the YouTube chat uh, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, is about Clay Thompson. And I understand it. Look, this is, what, the second game that he hasn't closed in a row. Um, I know they lost the game against Atlanta, though they could have won in regulation. Um, this is the first time this season we've seen Clay Thompson not close a few different basketball games, one of which they've lost, uh, a few of which in which they've lost, and that's perhaps because of him. I know he had the 4-for-19 four performance against Atlanta, um, hasn't played th- well throughout throughout this season compared to years past. But here's my thing on Clay. I don't think it necessarily has to do with him starting or getting benched or you know trading him or I, I, look. I don't know. For me, what I want to see from Clay is understanding, and from everything that I've read about tonight. And the comments that we heard from Kerr right before the break, 
about how Clay received the closing lineup news or just actions from Kerr with Guy Santos closing instead of him, he handled them well, and he was mentally tough. Now, Clay Thompson has not always handled these kinds of situations well. And this is where I do think there is a moment of maturation for him. Because, look, if Clay Thompson shoots the hell out of the basketball in a game, he's going to be in the closing lineup. He's going to he's going to finish these games. And I'm not at the point yet where I don't think that Clay can help the Warriors. But more so now than ever, he's no longer a necessity. And I think tonight showed that on a night where the Warriors could make a three outside of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson included, they found a different way to win this game. Now, if they had this kind of performance against a top four seed or, you know, a, a, a much better team than Brooklyn, I don't think they win that game. But this is a much needed win. It's a necessary win. When you're four games below 500, you got to win games, and you got to show yourselves along with the rest of the roster. Then, <laughs> the rest of the roster. Then you got to you got to show these things. So for me, sorry, I just got a piece of bad news. So want to want to lock back in here on Warriors wrap up again. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero is the number. Evan Giddings with you here. Clay Thompson, for me, is in a position where I want to see more of what I heard from him postgame and what I heard from Steve Kerr postgame, which is an understanding of where the Warriors are at, which is an understanding that in some cases in the future that he might not always be the best option for the Warriors down the stretch of games to win because there are some players playing better than him. There are some players that could shoot the ball better than him. As Draymond said after the game and heard this leak out, Draymond didn't close Game 5 of the NBA Finals in 2022. Warriors won those finals. The goal should be to try and win. Sorry about that. Uh, Trying to get the YouTube stream back. Uh, So apologies about the technical difficulties here. Uh, You're going to have to hit Shift-0, boys. So apologies about that. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, looks like we might be back up at this point. Please let us know if that is correct. 888-957-9570. Thank you for the 510 and the Comcast Business Text Line, the elevator music. The music is back. We are back. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you all sticking with us here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, what, what we're talking about, uh, for those that were in the YouTube chat and on Twitch, are talking about Steve Kerr's comments, right? And talking about Clay Thompson being able to handle not being in the closing lineup at the tail end of this game. And I'm kind of with Steve Kerr. I don't think that that should be the story of this game. They got a necessary victory. They got a gritty, grimy, and potentially a points gross victory against the Brooklyn Nets. And Clay Thompson not finishing the end of this game, to me, isn't indicative of him needing to be traded or him needing to be benched or him not being a valued member of the Golden State Warriors because I think his ability to help this team, should he be in a position like he was tonight, it sounds like, of understanding, can help the team, can help the youngsters, can help even the veteran core in the big three. If Klay Thompson has buy-in, if Klay Thompson understands that not every game he's going to be the best fit for every situation, well, then I think we can potentially coexist now and in the future. And I think that we can 
with this team be able to push forward bringing on more younger players, allowing guys that don't necessarily have the cachet of four-time champions to impact and help winning basketball. If Clay Thompson is going to shoot the hell out of the rock and he's going to play competitively and he's going to move the basketball and rebound and he's playing a good game, he's going to be in the closing lineup. But to me, a night like tonight in Brooklyn, there is an understanding that moving forward again, and this is what I, what I was saying, that Clay Thompson is no longer a necessity to be in in all spots. He's no longer a necessity, even from a year ago, in which I thought he was playing his best basketball offensively at this point. You look at January from last season, Clay Thompson specifically, you look at January, he averaged 27 points on 46% shooting, 30, 43 from three-point range. In the month of February last year, Clay Thompson averaged nearly 26 points per game on 43, pardon me, on 54, <laughs> and 54.4% shooting from three-point range. That's not the same Clay Thompson this season. Nor should it be. He's getting older and he's been through what he's been, which no player has ever come back from in a remarkable fashion as this. Just because Clay Thompson didn't help the Warriors tonight, down the stretch of the game because there was another player who was more impactful and helped them earn a win. Doesn't mean that on Wednesday, Clay can't be in the, the closing lineup and help the Warriors finish off the Philadelphia 76ers. The big three, and mainly Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, are having to deal with the realities of their careers. And on some nights, they're not going to be closing. They shouldn't be closing. And Steve Kerr demonstrated to us tonight against Brooklyn that he's willing to ride a hot hand or a hot lineup, so to speak, the five fingers of that hand. And that might not include Clay. Some nights that might not include Draymond. Some nights that might not include other players. You know, you could say that Draymond's integral defensively, but if he's not playing well, I don't think Steve Kerr is doesn't have the guts to give him the hook. The only person that right now should be in the lineup at all times is Steph Curry. If Jonathan Kaminga isn't playing well, I don't think he's going to finish a basketball game. And maybe that's kind of the larger problem I have with the roster is there's so much inconsistency on a night-in-and-night-out basis that you don't really know what you're getting from the team on a given evening. This was a nice win for the Warriors and one that they needed. But they could look like a very different team on Wednesday and we're wondering what's going to happen at the trade deadline. I wonder what you took away from this basketball game and what you think the story is. 888-957-9570. Let's go down to West Oakland, Sam. Sam, my man, how you doing? Hey, man, what's hey, man, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Uh, man, I'm one of those uh, like the inconsistencies of this team this year is really uh, it's kind of startling. I'm really liking the rotations right now, and I'm one of the Warrior fans that said that I always want to die on the hill and let this play out with the big three and let them ride out in the sunset. I'm willing to die on that hill with this team if it doesn't come with a hindrance. And the hindrance of the inconsistency of Clay Thompson's game is, is um, that, that's startling because he hasn't had a solid week this whole season. And, you know, just like he had that amazing January last year that you were just talking about, it's the total opposite this year, man. Um, I'm not saying trade Clay because I do want to see a ride out, but I always thought, even though he had two crazy injuries, I always thought that uh, his, his, his game would grow as he got older to where he could just be an unstoppable spot-up shooter or something at this point. But if you, if Clay can't shoot, 
And if he can't guard your best player, then what is Clay to our team? You know what I'm saying? He's the support. He's the Robin to, to Steph's Batman. So if that's not working, then we then you then you're becoming a hindrance. You're becoming a burden to our success. And that's the only thing that I can say that would make him trade bait. But I'm willing to ride it out because I believe in Clay so much, and uh, I just really wish he, I, I'm really praying and hoping that he could turn a new leaf to finish out the rest of the season. And I hope he doesn't get traded, but if he does, I, I totally understand. All right, brother, have a good night. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of with you. Like I'm willing to like I don't think Clay's getting traded. By the way, in three days, Clay Thompson's not going anywhere. But there is certainly a shift in how someone like Clay Thompson and even a member like Kevon Looney. I think that's the other probably core or veteran uh, piece of this core that Steve Kerr has shown us that he's willing to treat differently if they're not producing. And again, that's why I threw out those numbers just from last year to this year. January of last year, Clay Thompson was shooting 43% from three, averaging 27 points a game. In the month of February, he made 45% of his shots from three-point range and averaged nearly 26 points. This year, in the month of January, he had a pretty good shooting month. He shot 40.5% from three, and he averaged 20 points. But that's not the offensive firepower that we're accustomed to seeing from Clay Thompson. And so I think on a night like tonight against Brooklyn, the understanding, and maybe more importantly, the attitude from Klay Thompson, that is what has to mature along with his game. He's no longer as integral to the success of the Golden State Warriors. That doesn't mean that he can't be a productive player. But Klay Thompson is no longer a necessity to be in the closing lineup. And again, I don't think that's the bigger uh, kind of story from tonight, the fact that they were able to win a game in which they only made four threes, only one made or one player made a three, the fact that they defended at a high level against the team they had an ability to, the fact that they won a game, their third game of the season in which they scored only 109 points, the fact that they out-rebounded the hell out of a longer and more athletic Nets team, the fact that they got into the paint and scored 72 points because they were devoid of shooting. They found different ways to win tonight, and that's kind of my, my, my point wrapped up in, in Clayton. Thompson it's like just because he might not have looked his best tonight and has not looked his best throughout this season or in a month that last year he was absolutely dominant shooting the basketball doesn't mean that there isn't a role for him on this team it doesn't mean that he still can't help the Warriors with his leadership that he still can't find a way to grow and understand and mature what the next stage of his basketball life is going to be and fit that within a conducive and successful part of what the Golden State Warriors want to be I'm not saying there isn't a needle to be threaded there that can be found. I believe there can be. I don't think it's as black and white as Clay needs to go or Clay needs to stay and he's got to start and he's got to close. There is a place for him, I think, in Golden State because he still is a great floor spacer. He might be the only player outside of Stephen Curry whose jump shot you have to respect right now from beyond the three-point line. That's something they don't have. And unless you're telling me they're going to replace that and get better at the deadline or in the near future in the offseason, well, then I think Klay Thompson does need to still be on this team as a member of the core, as a member of the Warriors, and someone who a lot of people have connections with and emotional attachment to. All of that is a delicate place to be. But what we learned tonight in Brooklyn is he's not a necessity to close games and win anymore. It doesn't mean that he can't be, but that's the next stage of his career. How can Klay Thompson fit 
to where the Warriors want to be successful, not the Warriors fitting to how Klay Thompson wants to be successful. That's kind of what I took away. And, and the other part of this, too, is like, I mean, let's be honest. It's The, the shot selection is what it is for Clay, but, dude, he always was a tough shot maker. Like, Clay Thompson took tough looks and made tough looks and did it at a rate that was seldom seen in Golden State outside of Stephen Curry. Like, that's why he was as good as he was. You go back and look at some old Clay Thompson highlights, yes, he's, he's more athletic, he can defend, he can do all these things, but that dude used to put the ball in the basket anyway, anytime, from the deepest of ranges on pull-ups, you know, off balance, off screens, stand up. Like he just he shot the hell out of the basketball and he can't do that as much anymore. So that that's I don't know. I I felt like we maybe I've been too easy on Clay, too hard on Clay. <laughs> Drew down on YouTube. I'm kinda with you. Like he's not cooked. He's just he's been seared a little bit, okay? That's that's a four. Thank you. Lightly poached, according to Uncle Looney. That's from uh, uh the YouTube chat powered by First North Cal Credit Union. But again, as we kind of wind this thing down, I feel like the Warriors on a win tonight have a chance to build on it with a win against Philadelphia. And if they do, mind you, that would be a winning road trip. Five games. You go 3-2 and two on the road, you position yourself to make up some ground. And that's something that the Warriors, unfortunately, have not done in quite some time. And they got a lot of road games coming up including Philadelphia. That's going to be a 4.30 tip. Warriors Live will be right here at 3.30 on 95.7 The Game. Of course, we're doing our simul stream, so if you want to hear the Niners and their coverage and their uh, attempt to go out and get their sixth Lombardian franchise history, you can do that on YouTube. It's going to be in the Odyssey app. Wilder and Dibs will have you locked and loaded all the time from 2 to 6. And, of course, if you want to lock into the Golden State Warriors, pregame will be at 3.30, and then the tip will be at 4.30 with the Warriors wrap-up following. But Evan Giddings in for Warriors wrap-up tonight, and I really appreciate the opportunity. I thought we had some good conversations, of course, about Clay, about the Warriors, about the game itself, about what it means, some of the players that have gotten some run as of late, what that could mean for the trade deadline, if the Warriors are going to make some moves, what they could add, what they should and where they should go. This is all about what we're trying to figure out at the trade deadline and kind of at a potential inflection point for the Golden State Warriors. So, I mean, I just... It, Look, I don't think this game necessarily moved the needle for me. I'm not willing to say that the Warriors look like they're about to turn a corner, but you definitely could have taken a step or two backwards by losing this game, and that's the positive from it. It's a game you kind of needed to win. Like You just can't simply go into Brooklyn and lose to a team eight games below 500 and expect to be taken seriously. So... That's uh, that's that's one thing for you there. Um, let's wrap things wrap things up with our final call of the evening. Daniel's out in Lafayette. Daniel, my man, how are you doing? You're on Warriors wrap up. I'm a wonderful guy tonight because the Warriors won, of course, and I've been a fan for you know 50 years. And I know I only sound like I'm 25, so. But anyway, um, <clears throat> how about Trace Jackson? I'm trying to figure out why he hasn't been being, being put in the lineup recently, and and I know Kerr has his reasons for this, but. I thought at moments tonight that, you know, he could have been put in the game and maybe given the break to uh, to Draymond a few times where uh, Draymond looked like he was um, laboring a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. I mean, to me, I think of the trade deadline, that's where I would look to, 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 get, to grab some depth. I know that would affect uh, TJD, but I feel like if Draymond doesn't have to play every single minute at the five, um, then he won't 
probably be as worn down by the time that you get into that that stretch run or potential postseason. But maybe Draymond has that within him. Maybe he's got that unlocked stamina because he's missed 20 games uh, largely due to his, his own actions. But maybe he's more fresher down the stretch of this season because he hasn't played as much and he can manage those minutes. Um, as for TJD, I think that's a question we're going to have a lot of nights. And for tonight, I don't particularly feel like broaching it because the Warriors won. And I they also out-rebounded the Brooklyn Nets by over 20. Like, they weren't devoid of um, rebounding, points in the paint, blocks, really areas that TJD uh, impacts the game. So uh, before we get out of here, a reminder that this is your extending the three-point line. Here's Curry with the ball in transition, takes a three, knocked it down. Golden State retakes the lead. Curry's got 36. And that is our extending the three-point line brought to you by West Coast Men's Health, successfully treating men for ED and chronic pain. Visit westcoastmenshealth.com. That was one of Steph Curry's uh, biggest shots in three-pointers. He made four of them. The only warrior to make a three tonight is the Warriors defeat the Brooklyn Nets 109-98 at the Barclays Center. A big thank you to our YouTube and Twitch audience powered by First NorCal Credit Union. A big thank you to the Comcast Business Text Line. Everyone that has called in always appreciates uh, the conversations, the different perspectives, the questions. Again, we're all trying to come together and find a way to make this season and this team that we all know and love, the Golden State Warriors, as enjoyable as possible at a time in the season that is potentially getting away from them. They could be looking to turn a corner. Uh, an inflection point certainly coming up at the trade deadline in three days. So we look forward to moving on along with you. Golden State Warriors are now 22-25, and 25, back in action on Wednesday, 4.30 tip in Philadelphia without Joel Embiid. Warriors Live will be at 3.30. Again, William Dibbs will be on the Odyssey app as well as the YouTube and Twitch stream. They'll be on as well on Thursday for the trade deadline day, which starts a little bit earlier. So don't worry, we got all your dubs locked here on 95.7 The Game as well as your 49ers Super Bowl coverage. We continue tomorrow, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. As always, right here on 95.7 The Game, my name is Evan Giddings saying so long. Big thank you to Sterling Bennett. Our network coordinator, John Lucan, producing behind the scenes. And a big thank you to all of those of you tuning in tonight. We wish you a wonderful rest of your evening, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. That'll do it for this edition of Warriors Wrap-Up. We appreciate you. Take it easy. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 